This week, we are obviously changing up the format just a little bit, and I'm doing a brief introduction and brief non-introduction, whatever the term for it is on the back end of a podcast, because I'm not a professional and I don't want to know what these technical terms are. Introduction on today's episode. Really, really exciting. I'm talking to Mr. Bobby Frisch of Frisch and Sons. And these guys, if you haven't seen them, you really need to check them out. They're on Instagram at Frisch and Sons. That's F-R-I-S-C-H and Sons and on TikTok as well. They do primarily pool demolitions in Southern California, and they use these little baby skid steers and get into some wacky tight places because backyards in California are not very big. They build houses essentially on postage stamps, and it's amazing to see what they do with these little baby skid steers. They use, I mean, they're, they're literally the smallest skid steer on the market. You could, uh, I make a joke, you like, you could almost put these things in your pocket. Like you could just carry it around with you, put it in your luggage, you know, bring it on a plane. They're so cute and small, but it's amazing what they, what they do. So that's my, uh, that's this entire episode is me absolutely amazed by these guys and how they use skid steers. We get in all sorts of topics from why people remove pools to training the next generation to why they have an old machine that they flip people over in. Stay tuned to find out because it's, I, I think it's very, very cool and, and actually pretty well thought out. Uh, but that's what we're talking about today. So without further ado, here's Mr. Bobby Frisch with Frisch and Sons. He's the owner of the business, second generation, took it over from his parents. Now he's running with it based out of Orange County. Okay, so you basically run a company that does only really one thing, and that's demolish pools. Is that correct? Yes and no. I mean, that, I think that's what most people know us for, and I think that's what we've kind of uh, used to break into social media and kind of build a name for us, ourselves, I guess you could say. Uh, pool demolition is our main service. I mean, we, it kind of leads to the landscape installations that we post about the hardscape installations, but yeah, man, the, the, the pool demos and the removals is kind of, uh, what has put us on the map uh, in California recently. So it's any, it's anything landscape though is what you guys do pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anything that could go in the space, I mean, California backyards are, are pretty small compared to most places. So anything that could fit in a residential backyard, grass, artificial turf, concrete, uh, anything like that, uh, we, we, we can help, uh, install after the, the pool demo. Dude, saying California's backyards are smaller is an understatement. I mean, the, the that was one of the first things I thought about was um, yeah. or saw in Southern California, they're building these house pads and the house pads, they're like 5,000 square feet. The whole, right. like the whole lot. And they put a house on it's there fun. and a driveway and a yard and uh, 5,000 square feet is not that much space. It's, it's not. They stack it on top of each other and we, we always make the joke that neighbors really hate us just because they can see us from their bathroom window basically all day while we're working. Yeah. And it's just hot, constant noise, man. It's, it's, it's horrendous at times. With the pool demos, I've always been... One of the questions that's always come to my mind I've always wanted to ask is why the hell yeah. do so many people get rid of their pools? <laughs> I, and trust me, man. It's, you're not the only one. We have probably hundreds of messages every week about that. And uh, I think the biggest thing is, is that we've seen um, is a lot of the pools that were made between like the 60s and the 
things are starting to fall apart. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of older generational people are moving out of California. So a lot of people that are, are purchasing those older homes that had the pools put in then are looking to either uh, remodel or to remove the swimming pools uh, at the, the, the time, the, the beginning at that property, I guess you can say. So uh, once they figure out the kind of the remodel costs in California, they're, they're a little shocked. Uh, so they start looking our direction. Uh, probably about, I want to say 70% of our clients are, are people who have chosen not to remodel their pool and, and go the, uh, the removal process. Anything else? I mean, I, you also see uh, people who have rental properties. They don't want the liability or the tax uh, or the liability aspect of it when they're renting it out. Um, some people's insurance won't, won't renew with a with an empty swimming pool in their property. I mean, it's it's crazy reasons. We, we've heard every every reason in the book up to this point. Yeah, and, and I mean, swimming pools are pretty expensive to maintain. They are. Yeah. So I think we did the math once. It's probably not as soon anymore, just because it's been a couple of years. Things are a little bit more uh, accessible now but uh, i think over like a six to eight year span i mean you can save the amount in maintenance costs that it costs to remove a pool i mean just from the cleaning the chemicals and the constant maintenance of it the water bill whatever electricity for the pump um over like that time frame you could actually save the money and cost to remove it in the process how quickly do you guys uh, from start to finish how quickly does it take to remove a pool depends so there's two types uh, the first option is in California. California is very strict when it comes to any kind of pool demo. I've, I, we've talked to people in other states that just pull up one day, remove the whole thing, and they're out of there. But California has permits. We have the engineer's recommendations talking about kind of the scope of work, what we're going to do. Uh, there's typically three inspections and soil testing. So there's a whole drawn-out process, like a, a behind-the-scenes aspect that people usually don't really know about. Uh, but the, the, if you plan on doing any kind of landscape or hardscape, it takes about five days. Uh, and then if you want to build any kind of structure on top of a certified fill, uh, it takes about nine days because we have to demo the entire shell. Um, but it goes a lot quicker than most people anticipate. Some people think it'll take weeks on end, but I mean, with all the inspection, soil testing, everything, it usually boots between five and nine days. If that's not California in a nutshell, I don't know what is. I don't know how you guys, I don't know how <laughs> you guys do it out there. Man. Oh my Dude, God. Seriously. I mean, before you even start the project, I mean, there's there's $150 for engineering rec and $700 for permits, and it's it's a joke, man. It really is. It, this this place has become very hard. Uh, even though it's the hub for what we do, I mean, I don't think anywhere else in the world has pool removals for like our specialty like this. Uh, but it's it's hard, man. It, it's it's no joke. I mean, insurance wise, it's crazy. Workers' comp is super expensive. Uh, I mean, they they get their fair share out of us. They really do. So. Uh, but it's, it's the trade-off, man. It's the trade-off for having a, uh, being in a place like this and offering the service that we do. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, you know, pool demos is not a big business in the Midwest, for example. Exactly. I mean, they might see what, you know, one or two, maybe three a year. And I mean, we're, we're on three to four projects a week for it. So really? I mean, it's, it's completely, completely different. So so. How many, how many projects a year is that? Last year we did 293 pools. Wow. And we are hope yeah, we're hoping to break uh three hundred this year and we just passed our five thousand swimming pool removal uh this last year. Yeah. Five thousand it, pools. <laughs> it's crazy, man. It really, really is. You're driving around and it just start you start thinking back to like like my old man telling me, like, Oh yeah, like a demo to pull down that street or now I'm doing the same thing, like, Oh yeah, we demoed one down that street. So it's it's come kind of full circle. It's hilarious to 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 now understand what he's thinking about, but uh, it's been fun, man. Well, at that point, you guys have probably demoed a pool on every street in town. <laughs> we uh, I, we actually just got our last city too, and like our like 
so we work in a 35 mile radius and there was one city that, that we had never worked in in 25 years and uh, we just got to do it and it was, it was kind of like the last little check mark on on the list uh, for the county that we work in so it was cool man it's a little celebratory time wow have you ever demoed a really fancy pool we have so <clears throat> we actually were uh we're working i was about to say the place but i was like you're not from here so you wouldn't know where it is but uh, it's in orange county super nice uh, great view. I mean, from the backyard, you can see everything from Catalina Island, Disneyland, over to the Hollywood sign. Uh, and this guy wanted to demo his, his three-year-old pool and put in a brand new lazy lap pool in the uh, 10 feet to the left of where the, his current one was at. And I mean, I, we've never had a project this big. I mean, it accounted for a lot of uh, excavation with like slopes and stuff just to get the, the machine inside. And then demo took us three weeks. And I mean, what usually takes five to nine days took us three weeks. And then, um, and then right when we finished, he had a brand new pool put right back in. It's like, dude, this guy just dropped like probably three, four hundred thousand dollars just to move his pool 10 feet to the left. And it was wow. mind blowing. Got okay. the money in the means, I guess, might as well do it. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you guys weren't complaining. No, especially if that, that uh, check cashes. I'm okay with it. Yeah, that's all you need. So, mm. with this line of work, the primary tool of choice is the little baby skid steer right i mean you guys yeah. have the cutest one like you can almost pick it up and put it in your pocket they're so small and I, so cute i mean size doesn't matter is, is what i've heard and what i keep telling myself and telling people uh but yeah little bobcat s70 so it's, a, it's about 36 and a half inches wide uh we use we have 12 of them we use them on about i'll say about 90 percent of our projects okay. um we, yeah access is, is is a tough uh tough thing that we have to deal with on a daily basis so it's it's thirty six inches wide. So that could drive through like a normal doorway. I, I believe so. We we we've done we've done a few in the past. I think we've had we've cut them actually a little bit wider uh, to be safe, just so we didn't take out part of the wall. Um, but yeah, it, it, it fits in some pretty crazy places, and I, I think that's kind of what has put us on the map recently. So we've we've had a couple viral videos. Just some people call it stupidity. We call it getting the job done. I guess. <laughs> but uh but yeah man the little, the little baby machines are, are our bread and butter it's hilarious and, and just to see like they don't carry all that much so how many times you have to go back and forth just to fill the damn pool up is kind of funny it is man it's about 200 to 250 times uh, for a project <laughs> from back there to the yard. yeah so it's just it's just back and forth all day it's, it's literally the same thing five days straight all day every day yep and then, and it's not just ripping around either. Like, well, it is ripping around. You guys are crazy fast, but it's like threading a needle. Like you, there's not, yeah. you're using such a small machine because there's not any more space than that. Yeah. And, and a lot of people don't realize, I mean, those smaller machines are, are a lot more difficult uh, to maneuver. A lot of people think because they fit better in places. I mean, they bounce around like crazy. I mean, we always explain this, that they tip easier too. I mean, that's one of the, one thing that we go through. Uh, with like our soon to be operators is we actually have an old machine that we flip and non-functional anymore. It doesn't have an engine in or anything. We just want them to get used to the machine actually flipping so they don't freak out or panic because they know what it feels like. Whoa. Uh, but, but I mean, literally like these machines, you hit a single rock wrong, like under the tire. I mean, you're, you're going into the pool. So I mean, it, it happens often. Uh, some people say it's just bad operating, but it's like, and, there's nobody more qualified in, in, with some of our guys. I mean, they've been doing this for years on end, and it, it still happens. Uh, but yeah, those smaller machines, man, we try to put the younger guys in them uh, because they, they, they do some damage on your back after a full day. And after five days straight, it's, it's no joke, man. Yeah, and there's no suspension in them. So you're feeling everything. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're bouncing like crazy. 
so you you have an old machine that you put someone yeah. in and tip it over so they we get used over. to tipping over a machine. Yes. It sounds completely ludicrous and people always laugh at us, but in part of like our, our like our operator like training, or we have we, when you go from a laborer to an operator training and then a trainee to an operator, one of the last things that we have them go through is we have them sitting our, our ragdoll machine and then they sit in it and we just tip it with a bigger machine so they just know what it feels like to fall to the side. So they're <laughs> they're not thinking about it. They're they're not gonna always worry about it. They they kinda know what to anticipate if it does happen. Because I mean the machine has now been flipped 50, 60, 70 times, and it's still in good condition, still holds up every single time. So we want to get it through their mind that they're, they're going to be safe in there, and they're not going to second-guess their, their movements, their operating skills, anything when they're on a job site, loading up, whatever it is. That's kind of so, genius. No. Like that, I've never actually, I've never heard of that before, but it makes I, I perfect sense. I because people, people laugh at us all the time for it, man. Well, it's it's hilarious. It, it it's super funny, but that makes perfect sense. Like there, if you've been ex- like, uh, for example, in um, like seal training in in the drown yeah. quote unquote drown proofing, they'll go down yeah. in the pool and then they'll just rip their mask off, rip their rip their whole breathing apparatus apart, just rip everything apart to get these guys exposed to what yep. could happen and and get them used to not panicking. And, exactly. and so something like this is the exact same principle. Exactly. And that's, that's kind of our thought process because like, we don't, we don't want to just throw someone out there who's good at the job, but who's, who's okay with like, okay, if, the, if shit hits the fan, like, wh- like, what do I expect? What do I do? We want to put them in those uncomfortable situations. So when they're on site where it really matters, they, they can make the right movements. They can be prepared. They can be okay. If it does happen and know, Hey, shit like this happens a lot. Okay, let's move on. Let's fix it and, and go to the next thing. That's fascinating. And, and modern machines are pretty safe. So as long as you're wearing your seatbelt, yeah. you're not really going anywhere, even if you roll the exactly. damn thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what people don't realize. It's it's people get hurt and killed <laughs> when they're not wearing their seatbelt. But if they're wearing their seatbelt, like the the ROPS, the, the rollover protection, oh, yeah. it's designed to withstand a worst ton of, of weight. Exactly. Worst of the worst situation is, is what it's for. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, man, it's funny. Wow. Um, okay. So with every pool demo, it's like, they're like snowflakes. I'm sure no two are the same. <laughs> and and yeah. so like estimating them, I know you kind of, you, you know what your time it's going to take and this and that, but do you, sure. you, you have to go there? Do you have to go on site to every single one of them to make sure you guys have access? Absolutely. So yeah. So I go on about two to three bids a day right now for various things, uh, predominantly pool demos. Um, and I mean, that's the biggest thing we look for is access. Cause I mean, if the access is larger and we can get a bigger machine or just dump, uh, back a dump truck all the way up and dump the dirt in, I mean, you're, the client's going to be saving a ton of money. Oh yeah. If we have to use a tight access machine, it's like, yeah, we have them, but we're going to charge for our time. We're going to make sure that, yeah, it's going to take a little bit longer. So we're going to be compensated a little bit more because it's obviously more complex. So yeah, with stepping on site, you're looking at a couple different things, access. You're looking at the type of pool. Is it a fiberglass? Is it a liner? Is it gunite? Uh, all of them take different uh, time to remove and to prep for the inspections. And then another thing is city requirements. Every city is different. Some cities want rock backfill. Other ones want sand backfill. Some want clean dirt, clay. I mean, it, it, it changes from city to city, and no city is the same. So, I mean, you could go five minutes down the road, and it's a completely different 
permitting process, different requirements. The soil testing is required, engineer's recommendation. So, I mean, before even the job starts, I mean, you could be an extra $2,000 in expenses. So, if, like, you don't account for that or don't know the requirements, I mean, you can screw yourself over very quickly. That's so crazy that they require you to do all that. St- I mean, that... It's not surprising, though. I mean, it's, it's yeah, it's just people are kind of kind of anal about it in, in Orange County where we're at, where we are at. They, they all, and they, their, their favorite favorite thing to blame is, oh, the expansive soil. And it's like 90% of them have no idea what that even means. They just no. use it as an, as an example. There's no expansive um, soil in California. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So it, 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 it's, just, it's just comical. It's just like they think of things and it, it just all costs more money, which basically drives the permit fees up for the cities, which, I mean, some cities need it, other cities don't. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it just, it comes back costing the client more money. How much of your time is spent dealing with that? Right now? Uh, quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, COVID slow, has slowed a lot of things down uh, with the governor keeping the state closed for so long. I mean, we've had some permits in LA County waiting since August. We've had some cities that have stayed open and we, we can get a permit in an hour. It kind of just depends. And I mean, it, it falls back on me and, and our general manager making sure that we're doing our due diligence to, to get everything situated ahead of time. So, our crews can't stay busy the entire time. So there's no downtime because I, I know a lot of companies that, in our area that have been affected by it because uh, like they're not familiar with, with using a computer. I mean, something as simple as that could, could delay you three weeks in a permit and being able to obtain it because you don't know how to submit the stuff. You don't know how to email a PDF. I mean, the most minuscule things could, could delay a project greatly and affect not only the company, but all the employees and the family. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it's been tough with COVID. Um, thankfully, we're not in the same boat as like civil engineering plans where they have to go through an entire plan check. Ours is pretty simple. It's, it's just making sure that it's one of two types of, of a pool demo. And then from there, it's just kind of getting the approval of the, the scope of work and, and then we're, we're pretty much ready to roll. So it's, it's just a, it's a nonstop balancing act between getting the work at bidding the work, getting the permits, keeping your guys busy and yeah. moving them on to the next one, because that is, exactly. I mean, five days, the, the duration is not very, so you need a lot of jobs to keep all your guys busy. Exactly. So from the time of estimate to the time of job, we, we have usually like prep work-wise, not just waiting because like if the schedule's busy or not. It's usually about three weeks of prep work in terms of like paperwork, permitting, plans, plan approval, and then like big alert and then actually scheduling the work. And then the work itself takes five days. And I mean, we're running five crews at once. So, I mean, it's, it's nonstop. It really, really is. How many people on a crew? Like two, three people? Three guys. Yeah, three. usually three guys. Huh. And you'll have like, what, two machines on a job and one laborer? If it's a pool demo, we usually have one in the pool and then two feeding dirt. So, like, it's like the, the two outside of the pool, uh, one, like on their way out of the backyard to the front yard, they'll, they'll take a bucket of debris dump it in the truck and then pick up a scoop of dirt from the driveway and haul it right back in. Yeah. And then there's one machine in the pool that's spreading everything out, compacting as we go, hit it with the whacker or the jumping jack or whatever you call it uh, from where you're from. And then just making sure it's ready for soil testing. So it's, it's just an endless process. It's the same thing all the way from the bottom, all the way to the top for five days straight. So do you, and, and, and so you don't always have to take out all the debris. You don't have to remove everything. Not always. No. So that's only required. Uh, for a full removal. So if you plan on building over the area or putting a new pool or something, anything that requires like a certified fill from a soils engineer, 
the, the entire thing has to come out. Yeah. Uh, some cities, I mean, you can bury a, a freaking car and they wouldn't care. I mean, they're not soil testing. They barely have a permit. It, it's just, it kind of depends on what they see as fit. Um, but yeah, and then some instances, just put a couple holes at the bottom and demo the walls and then back there with some dirt. Huh. You, you guys have, this is making me think of, you have posted some ridiculous photos of some really messed up pools in the past too. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you're, you're probably referring to the ones that are like popping out of the ground. Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So those pools, um, they don't have the hydrostatic valves that allow the water to like buoy back and forth from like inside the pool and below, or if there's a high water table, granted that somebody else could probably speak way more about that specific high water table than I can. And uh, somebody's probably going to call me on it because I said something incorrectly, but, uh, but basically if they don't have that valve within the pool and the pool is left empty, the water beneath the water beneath the, the pool shell can actually pop it out of the ground. And it, I mean, we've seen it as high as six, seven feet out of the ground <laughs> and it just becomes a, a nightmare to, to try and demo that thing. Wow. We got to, we got to shift the pool back in place. we got to pump the water out beneath. It's, it's, yeah, it's a nightmare, but it's, always makes for a good photo op so yeah yeah it, it's crazy I, I wish i could explain it better but it's it it looks like the pool has just been pushed out of the ground like the whole damn yeah. shell has just been pushed yeah and we're actually we're, we're getting ready for a couple of them uh usually after any kind of big rainstorms when we, we start seeing some um even though the, the high water table is what causes predominantly most of them we've seen some happen from like major cracking in concrete with enough water just gets underneath and uh, so we're, we're, we're expected to probably get a call or two here soon after the rain we just had. That is fascinating. So you guys do yeah. landscape too. What, what percentage of your business is the pool demo and what percentage is just general landscape driveways, that kind of stuff? For sure. So we, we run, uh, five crews total, four of them are pool demo. And then one of them is, is any kind of various landscape or hardscape. Okay. Uh, I'd probably say about 90% is, is pool demo. Um, and then the, the, the other 10%, I mean, we don't market anything outside of pool demo online. Yeah. Uh, we get, we get our installation jobs from doing a good job on, on the demo portion. And then we, we, we kind of show our, our previous work for installation and artificial turf, grass, drains, irrigation, whatever it is, um, to our clients at the time. And, uh, we're lucky enough to, to, to have that installation crew stay pretty busy as well. Are there other companies that just do this or is it, you're kind of just competing with Tom, Dick and Harry, whatever you're at. Yeah, I mean, so there's, there's actually one other company that does it. I mean, they do great work, too. I mean, the the owner of that company was, was going against my dad for a long time, and now we're kind of going against his daughter. And it, it, it's hilarious. They do great work, uh, but they only do demos. So I think that's a big selling point uh, for us. Even if we don't get the installation job, uh, we, we do vocalize it on an estimate that we provide installation services and show past work. And a, and a lot of people don't want to work with multiple companies. They just want to deal with one person so they know if something goes wrong, they can, they can go directly to them. And we don't subcontract anything. I mean, outside of maybe some concrete finishers for like a really big job. But I mean, outside of that, it's all in-house. Everything's done by our crew. So if something happens or they, they just want a one contact, they, like, they have it with us. And it, it's a big selling point for people. Yeah. Well, and they the, the competitor might do great work, but I, and I don't even... I don't even know your business that well, and I don't know their business, but I would hire you. Just, I appreciate that. Just, just going <laughs> to give you... Make me feel better about myself. Yes, yeah, I would hire you. Um, yeah. uh, I guess you subcontract trucking too, I take it. 
so we, we actually have excavation companies who bring us dirt for uh, the pools, and they actually pay us to dump the dirt uh, because the, the uh, yes. there's no open there's not a lot of open land in California. Yes, where you can just dump. So they they either can go pay 500 bucks at a dump, or they can come pay us 100 bucks to dump a full load, and we kind of knock two birds with one stone. And that is a California thing, and it is that is one of the craziest yeah. things about California is people pay to get rid of dirt because everywhere else yeah. people pay to get dirt. It's in, it's insane, man. It really, really is. And yeah. It, we, we've had thankfully like some really good contacts over the years and we have companies that we don't charge just because we've been working with them for 15 plus years. But I mean, the vast majority of the companies on the uh, that we have on like our contact list, I mean, they're digging pools every single day and they're, they're trying to get rid of it. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Man. Having it delivered to site and, it's exactly what we need and we're getting paid for them to do all the work. Dude, California is just a wacky place. It is just wacky. Is, yeah. yeah. It's something else. It really, really is. Um, and, and so sometimes you don't have access. I've seen videos of you guys driving skidsters through houses, which I think is hilarious <laughs> and, and just yeah. probably pisses a lot of people off. And it so does. I like, so you guys pretty much have a mentality of you can do anything Anything's possible, I take it. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we try to find a solution, and it, it's not just for, for the photo op or the video. I mean, it always makes for a good post, but, I mean, we're, we're saving the client a lot of money when we when we find a, a way to get a machine in. Because uh, anytime it's done by hand, and, and a ton of people always comment this on social media when we post something, oh, I, I, I just put five guys there with a wheelbarrow and get it done. So, okay, well, you're going to take twice as long, pay that much more labor, and I mean, they're not going to be on another job making money. So you're, you're an idiot. Like find a way to get it, get the job done correctly with a machine as it should be. It's a lot safer, a lot quicker. Yeah. Like there might be an expense for reframing a door or building a wall back that we had to remove, but it, it's going to save the client money at the end of the day. And that's the most important thing. Cause if you can keep them happy, I mean, you're going to get a referral or you're going to get the next part of the job, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, like, like recently we, we just did, we're finishing up a landscape job. Uh, on a pool demo that we finished and we had to take the property line wall down and go onto the neighbor's property to be able to get to the backyard. We got the approval from not only the city, but the HOA and the neighbor to be able to do that. And we turned a a $35,000 project into a $17,000 project. We were able to finish it in, in, in two weeks time compared to six weeks. And it saves a lot of headache for the client. They were super stoked about it. And, it landed us a great installation project as well. So we, we won on both fronts and they won on both fronts. So it was, it was great. It's just finding, being willing to find a solution, not just saying, oh, this is going to be too hard. We're not going to be able to do it. And, and I feel like a lot, of people, a lot of people say that. Dude, it's 2021. Um, yeah. Um, so, and, and you guys are really, truly incentivized to work in the customer's best interest because I take it a majority of your business is word of mouth. So if you do a great job, you save them a bunch of money, they're going to be very happy and, yeah. oh, wow, my friend Nancy also needs her pool removed. Can you guys do it too? And there you go. You got another job. That's like probably yeah. your whole business development strategy is doing a really good job, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, there, there's a ton of contractors in Orange County and where we're at. So, I mean, we, we have to have that word of mouth element. A lot of our clients are from word of mouth and, and we thankfully have been able to kind of push our business into more uh, higher-end neighborhoods, thankfully. So we have those clients that are willing to pay a little bit more for a more established business and more established service. So, yeah, yeah I mean, doing a good job is, is everything. Keeping them happy 
I mean, I can think of three clients in, in just last few weeks that have been referrals from past clients in the same neighborhood. Uh, so, I mean, it's, it's everything. It really, really is, like you said. Wow. I'm just, I could sit here and ask you questions about demolishing pools with skid steers all day. <laughs> You're one of only probably a handful of people who could. No, no, no. Everyone, everyone goes nuts yeah. for your stuff on the internet. And it's not by yeah. accident. It is just so weird and unique. And you guys do, I mean, it is these little skid steers, but you guys do some crazy shit with them. It's it's yeah. crazy what you do with those little machines. And I, I honestly, like, I think a lot of companies do similar stuff, maybe not as much tight access stuff, but I, I know it's common like, with the nature of where we're at. Yeah. I just don't think a lot of people have taken advantage of, of, of sharing what we do. Cause, and I know you've kind of talked about this in the past and with different people and stuff, but I think people are so worried of like, oh, they're going to figure out how we do something. Like, it's going to make us lose business. Like, no, it's like, dude, this is going to show people you're a lot more reliable when it comes to this type of job. So, once we kind of realized that, we when we got popped on board for like, okay, let's start posting videos like crazy, photos, yeah. everything. I mean, it, it really started to take off. And like, it, yeah, like word of mouth was great, but like showing somebody a video of something just went that much further. It's such a straw man argument to say that the crew competitors are going to figure out like what you do. There's nothing proprietary in what you do. I mean, everyone exactly. does it probably the same way. The whatever I, your, your advantage is, the people that you exactly. have, which you're very vocal about too, training, hiring great people. That's where, that's where you make your money. You don't make your money in what machine you use, how you do it. Everyone does it probably pretty damn similar. Spoons and forks, man. All the machines are the same. It's the people who do it. So that's it. That's it. So social media, when did you start sharing stuff on there? Yeah, man. So I, I joined the family business in about, I think it was like 2015. Okay. And that's when we started really hitting it hard because we saw that nobody really knew what pool demo pool demolition was. I mean, there was there's a couple of people on, on on YouTube that have, have some crazy videos with a ton of views and everything, uh, but nobody really hit it on a daily basis because it it wasn't really a known thing. So when we started in 2015, we started just posting before and after photos, and then when we initially posted the first video of a tight access machine, it blew up. I like, we had a, like, I think it was like some, some page shared, it had like 900,000 views. We got a ton of followers overnight and they're like, oh crap, this is actually like something like people actually like this. Yeah. And then just from there, we just, we stopped showing our before and afters on an everyday basis. And we just started saying, let's show the process. Like, let's show the people, let's talk about the people who actually make it happen. And that's just where all hell broke loose on, on Instagram, on YouTube, on, on TikTok now. I mean, it's just been it's been almost comical and people still laugh at us about it. But I mean, last year alone, we probably brought in 200 grand from, from Instagram leads alone. No just shit. Just from videos. No just shit. Just from videos, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's comical. And, and I, like my, me and my dad always laugh about it because I mean, he's an East coast born and raised contractor, no education. I mean, as hard as they come. And he was, he thinks social media is going to be the death of everybody. And, and he, he, he's now a firm believer because he, he's seen kind of the, 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 how it spread its wings and got to where it's at because it's it's hilarious, man. It really is. I don't even know how to explain it. It's just every day I feel like we have another lead coming from from some social media outlet, and uh, it's been it's been really cool to see. Really, really cool to see. Well, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I set you up for that because I, <laughs> I, know, I knew yeah. that was the case. How long did it take to convince your old man that that to, to share stuff on social media? Uh, about a year. 
yeah. to like really to really get his really get his buy in. Um, and I think that kind of went hand in hand. We do do a lot of like Google ads too. I mean, we we we've realized that nobody markets that, uh, so we've taken advantage of that and, and to be the one company that does. Um, and I mean, every when I when I first started, I told him I was like, hey, like give me fifty bucks from the company budget. Let's put it towards some kind of marketing. And if we land one job, we'll double it for the next month. So okay, well, we got two jobs and doubled it, got four jobs, doubled it, got five jobs. And then like now we're to the point where we're spending like two thousand dollars a month just on sponsored posts, like yeah. across all platforms. Yeah. And like just really trying to amp up like marketing to to get any kind of exposure. I mean, like we it's it's been a ton of great feedback and I know not at all exposure is good exposure, but we we just really been trying to uh, to show that uh, we're, we're one of very few people who can handle these tight access projects, whether it's a pool demo or something else. We really want to just be able to get our name out there. And it's, it's been crazy. Man. It's, it's been really fun to see. Yeah. It's, and that's the only reason I know about you guys. I would have no idea about you yeah. if it weren't for social media. Exactly. What's the, I'm, I'm sure you get all sorts of negative comments. I mean, I can't even imagine yeah. how many negative sure. comments you get. What, What's the criticism you get that's the funniest? People oh, people saying they can do it all by hand faster? Yeah, I think the wheelbarrow comment. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I, that, that's the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> just because it's, it, anytime we post a video where I, where I think, oh my, okay, this is a good one. I mean, this is tight. Like, it looks good. It, yeah, I mean, someone's like, oh, I'll go get five guys from Home Depot and do it in two hours. Like, <laughs> I'll put my money where my mouth is any day of the week or something like that. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's that. And then, I'm trying to think what else. People bag on us a lot about the small machines, but I, I just don't think they're, I think they're from out of state and they don't realize, like, what we have to deal with with access restrictions. Yeah. Uh, if, if they saw what we were working with day in and day out, I think they would have a better understanding. Um, but yeah, that the wheelbarrow I think takes the takes the lead on that one. If you haven't, yeah, if you haven't seen work in California, you just don't get it. And then you see work out there, mm-hmm. and and it starts to you start to put two and two together. Like, okay, I see why yeah. these guys do it this way because this is this is insane. And you have both sides of the spectrum. You have these re- yeah. ridiculous size housing developments with these the biggest scraper spreads in the United States, putting in twenty thousand yep. lots. And then you exactly. have middle of LA, you, people are living on top of each other, absolutely yeah. zero room to do anything. There's like the two extremes yeah. in California in the same spot, pretty much. Yeah, and if you throw in the mix too, I mean, an influx of of, of contractors, both licensed and unlicensed. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big reason why we run machines, because we can finish the job quicker, because we have to. If we're sitting here with a wheelbarrow for three weeks trying to get the job done, I mean, we're going to lose a lot of money. We're going to lose clients who are pissed off. I mean, like literally time is money here. You have to always keep moving because you'll, you'll fall behind quickly. Well, finishing quick's a win-win. You knock the job out faster so you can go to the next yeah. one and then your your customer wins because they probably don't want a little sk- – I mean, I would love you guys being in my backyard, <laughs> but I can imagine that they don't love you guys being there. Yeah, yeah. Especially the neighbors too. So when it's when it's tight and when houses are next to each other, I don't think people from California don't understand, uh, or not from California don't understand, because it's. I mean, you can literally see into somebody's house from the backyard, and it's 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 a lot of noise and it echoes, and yeah, neighbors don't want us there long either. I'm sure beyond nasty, stupid comments on social media, you probably just get some nasty comments in general from people. 
Oh, we get threats all the time, man. We've had people pull <laughs> knives on us. Cops called on us, man. It's it's bad. If you're in some of the neighborhoods in LA, man, it's just, they don't they don't like the seven eight a.m. wake up call with a five hundred pound jackhammer hitting the side of a pool. No, no, but it's like. Hey, it's Tuesday. You should probably be awake by eight. I, I, what are you <laughs> yeah, doing? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Have you uh, had more yeah. complaints over the past year because people are at home because of coronavirus? Would you say, or is it the same? I don't think. You know, I don't think so. I think people here are kind of used to it. To be honest, because we've seen a lot of people at. I think they're at home and they're thinking about the projects they want to get done. Oh. So there's a lot of stuff happening. So mm. I, I think they're, they're they're becoming accustomed to the noise. One, because they're even either doing projects themselves or their neighbors are, and it's happening on a consistent basis. But yeah, we, we, we still get the normal complaints. I mean, if we're trying to pour concrete at 7 a.m., we're there at 5.30, and people don't like that. So, I mean, it's just it's stupid crap like that. It's, it's nothing really in terms of uh, uh, like the day-to-day, like midday noise. It's usually the early mornings is what people get pissed at us about. It's so funny how finicky people are when you ruin their routine. Like oh, yeah. you throw it's one it's wrench in the plan. Yeah. yeah. They just, they get so, so upset and so irrational over stuff that's so small. Especially if it's not their concrete patio or their pool being done. If it's somebody else, oh Lord help them. But yeah, it's, if it's their own project, it's all okay. Exactly. Yeah, definitely a little bit of a double standard there. Oh, where do we go from here? I just have so much on my mind. Um, Training, yeah, we touched on it a little bit. How so? You said you guys actually have a pretty because a company like yours, you guys are small. You know what? Yeah. If if it's five crews, three guys, so you're, you're roughly fifteen people. Fifteen guys. Fifteen, yeah, 15, 15 guys. guys. So a company that size is not even going to think twice about training. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in in just just speaking generally, painting with For a, sure. a, a For broad sure. brush. Absolutely. You guys, you said you have even you know, levels within your business and, and training and, and everything well thought out. How, how did that come about and what does that look like? Uh, so a, a big influence to, to where we got to where we are now is uh, back in probably about 2014, 2015, uh, we had a turnover of about every four weeks for an operator. Wow. And the reason for that, I mean, we, we were looking for uh, the most experienced, most proficient operator that we could find regardless of age preferably older at the time uh to come in and demo a pool the way we want him to demo it without ever explaining to him how we want him to demo it and that's that's setting him up to fail i mean four weeks later we had him out the door looking for the next guy and we lost productivity lost money lost time all the above um it got to a point where our now general manager was somebody who we came across who was a little bit younger at the time um and he was just somebody who was willing, willing to ask questions, willing to learn, and willing to to do what uh, what we wanted to do to, to to demo a pool the way we saw fit. And once we realized that, it kind of changed our perspective. That for so long we were looking for this older, more experienced person. When in our in all reality, we knew how to demo the pool the right way. We just needed to teach somebody to how to do it the way and to the standard that we wanted it. And once mm-hmm. we realized that there were people willing to be able to do that, if we invested in them, the opportunity to challenge them, gave them the responsibility that they were kind of longing for in a sense, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, it, it took off on that point. Um, mm-hmm. Once we hired him, we found our next guy. We looked for a younger guy as well. Same thing. From a painting company, no machine experience, has never done 
by construction or demolition or landscape. And we taught them every single thing you can know from how to uh, maintain a machine, how to grease it up, how to load and unload, how to fix the irrigation line, how to disconnect the electrical before demoing a pool, all the way to operating the, uh, the, the machine itself. And it kind of just became the snowball effect that, that it became routine for us to, to not look for this external replacement for whatever we need. But, okay, let's find out what we're not good at and let's hire somebody and train them to fill that role. And once we, we switched that mindset, we're like, oh, crap, this is, this is working. And we found ourselves like three years later, we tripled in size. And we were at nine guys at the time. And that was like two, three years ago. And then now to the day at 15, and we've kind of built this system of uh, we have our general manager, and then we have our managers who are also our on-site operators. Underneath them, we have the operator training. Our truck drivers, whether it's a Class A truck or a flatbed utility truck with all the tools. And then under them are our newest guys who are our laborers. So when you, when we first hire somebody, they go into this labor position for six months. They're, they're not only there just with a shovel and a broom and, and hosing down the site for dust control. No, they're, they're learning how to be to work around the machine, mm. how to spot irrigation or utility lines, how to grease the machine, how to fill up or change a tire on a machine because they pop often. And then from there, once they, they kind of fulfill all the roles that we've asked them, they step into that trainee mode. And then from there, they learn how to run the machine itself. They're kind of evaluated by an actual operator on how to facilitate the job, what wow. to look for, how to backfill a pool. I mean, we literally put them through they have to load and unload every single one of our machines forward and backwards. Yes, even sometimes with the en engine facing down to be able to put a, a little bit of a tip to it so they learn how to, to adjust to these scenarios if what if this happens. And then once they pass that final test, okay, they're ready. They send it to that operator-manager role. And then from there, I mean, they've done every single thing up to that point on how to run a job. They're beyond proficient. We don't need to micromanage them, which means I get to focus on estimates client management. I don't have to be on site and be an owner operator, which for a company of our smaller growing size, it doesn't work anymore. I, I, I have to be a facilitator. I can't be an owner operator. I can't be on every job and every machine. So we need to fill the roles for what we need. And we've become very self-aware of what we need as time goes on. And it's, it's, it's been a snowball effect. It's been incredible to see the growth and just even in these last four to five years, but also for our, our employees too. I mean, these guys who were never given a shot on another on another company to even touch a machine. I mean, within a year, they're the ones facilitating the job and running the entire job by themselves with two employees. Pretty but ingenious. It, it, I'm surprised it took us so long to realize that something like this can happen. And it's it's funny because all of our guys are millennials too. Well, not all of them, but pre predominantly most of them. And it it, it kind of catches a lot of people off guard that they're so young. But they're they're great, man. It's it's fantastic. I think just giving them the to prove like the stereotypes wrong that are about millennials and uh, they've they've beyond exceeded our expectations, our client expectations, and and, and a lot of uh, naysayers to, to how we were doing it. Wow. Um. So you really only have one entry level position into the business, and that's it. Regardless of experience, yeah. you know, even if I'm an operator, every, I just join on and I'm a laborer single, now. Yeah, every single employee started as a laborer. Wow. So we, we don't hire any external replacement. So there's nobody stepping in as an operator, as a manager. Everybody starts as a laborer if you want to join our company, regardless of experience. And then they go through our process. And if they're, if it's something they enjoy and they like and they want to stick around, I mean, they'll progress in a six month, it's approximately a six month period. And 
and it's just been working for us. It's it's been working for the last five years. That, Every year we've been out in another team. That's that's really, I mean, that's what the industry needs to do. But all these companies, they try to find these experienced people, mm-hmm. and they don't work. And and I've found that yeah. within my own business, like we've gone, we're up to twenty five people now. I I'm 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 much less enthused with people that are experienced than with young people that are just ready to get after it. Frankly, it's it's Absolutely. experience. You know, the experience there there is a place in time for it, but it's just it's so much work to unwind someone and to teach them your way of doing things from exactly. because because experience is the enemy at that point and they just keep referencing well this is how I used to do it it's like I don't care how you used to do it that's not how we do it so either get it out of your head or this isn't going to work absolutely i couldn't agree more and and and, and i even tell people we we save tens of thousands of dollars doing it this way too and and people always ask how well I mean, just on general terms, I won't go specifically into it, but like we used to op- hire operators for our smaller scale at $25 an hour. They'd be gone in four weeks and we'd waste all that money and time trying to hope that they would demo a pool. Mm-hmm. Now they start at, we'll say $17 an hour as a laborer. Six months, they get a promotion for a dollar. And then six months after that, they become an operator. So in a year's time, they're not only running a machine and know how to do the job proficiently, but they're making about $20 an hour. These 18 to 23 year olds, and then they have uncapped hours, uncapped OT, and we're paying $5 or less per hour. And then we're giving opportunities to younger guys who have, have never been given a shot elsewhere, making hell of a lot more money than anybody else their age. And they have 10, 20 years left ahead of them with a job that they're already proficient in a year because we, we took the time to slow down and teach them how to do it the right way. Now, if they want to go on and do something else, by all means, I mean, they're, they're going to have the understanding of a construction or demolition or landscape site on to go to a bigger company or to do, to start their own company. And we've had that happen as well. Uh, but it's just, we, we've saved a ton of money as a company standpoint, and we've been able to reinvest that into them for bonuses, for new equipment, new trucks, new everything, just to be able to put our company and the guys in a better position. It's so fantastic. What does, as someone, how do, how do you navigate someone that has experience and maybe has been operating for a while or has operated a little bit in the past, how do yeah. they take, well, now, now you're a laborer. Yeah. How do you navigate that? Or are you just you know super upfront with people from the beginning? So you don't really have to deal with it. Super upfront. Yeah. Super upfront. We, we've actually had to have that, that issue because most people who reach out to us on Instagram or email or something, I, I lay it out. I tell them exactly what they're paid or what it would be paid and what the responsibilities are and what to expect in six months and a year I mean, and I tell them, I was like, we don't start anybody as a class A driver. We don't start anybody as uh, an operator or a manager. Everybody starts at the bottom, and then there's an opportunity for everybody to grow. Yeah. Um, and it, it churns away 90% of people. But at the end of the day, I want the, the 10% that are going to be say, hey, I'm okay with that. I want to learn. And that's how we found the, the, the people that, that were right for our culture. Wow. That's pretty slick. That's I, that's, I mean, that's how we hire. We're super yeah. frank. I try to... Like my role is trying to scare people away because if, if I can scare them away before they even come into the company, then they should not be here. Like there's just, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> and, and so many employers, they're so scared to do that because they, they're so desperate for people and they just want to be a place for everybody. It's like, no, 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 we're not a place for everybody. And if you tell people that they appreciate it up front. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You want the people that are, that are, that are wanting to be there and they're okay with that. I mean, they'll, they'll find a way to, to navigate that, that tough conversation. And if they're, if they're going to show up, I mean, that's the kind of person I want. That's somebody who's, who's willing to show up each and every day. I love that you guys start everyone at the entry level. That's uh, something Andy Fursella with First Form, that's what they do is if you want a job at First Form, you start in the warehouse. That's just where yeah. it all starts. Everyone starts in the warehouse. That's the 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 lowest common denominator of the business. Yeah. And then from there, you go on and you can do whatever you want from there, but everyone has to start in the warehouse. And I absolutely yeah. love that part of the business. And you know, it's funny too. I mean, the, like the more I, I've thought about it over the years, I mean, that's exactly what our dad did with me and my brother. I mean, we started as laborers. Yeah. We started in the field with a shovel and a broom. And I granted it might've taken a little bit longer for him to trust us on a machine with just him on site. But I mean, it, it you got to start somewhere. And it, 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 the proficiency of knowing all aspects of the job as you move up, I mean, you only learn that with doing it with your hands. And you have being to do there it. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And you, I mean, if you didn't have that experience, you'd be a shit manager right now. Like, you, yeah. how would you effectively manage people that do that every day if you'd never actually done it for yourself. It's, it's not, and that's the big thing is, is it's not even the knowledge. It's just the, the respect for these people and the understanding and the humility that goes so, so far. And that's what I learned being a laborer was the respect, the humility, the just keeping your mouth shut. And, and, and that, that's what I learned. I didn't really get like the knowledge wasn't the big benefit of, of being a laborer for me. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Couldn't agree more with that. Wow, lots to think about here. <laughs> lots to think about. Because we're, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think through my training within my business, and, and it's a tough nut to crack. Um, it's not super similar, but the principles are all the same, whether you're demoing pools, grading subdivisions, packing, yeah. packing boxes. It's all the exact same principles. Have, have you guys structured something like that? I'm sure you have within your own company, but um, that, I, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just I've seen a lot of a lot of bigger companies. I mean, one that off the top of my head is is I feel like Turner Turner Mining Group does a great job with it, and that's kind of where we've seen a lot of from a bigger standpoint or a bigger company do it. Is I mean, they want somebody who's going to show up every single day and work their tail off and prove that they're worthy. And I mean, that's that's a big thing that millennials do. They want to show their, their that they're they're worthy of being there. And I mean, I guess you could say we kind of mimic something from them like years past and just seeing how they've gone successful with it. But um, yeah, I mean, I think some each company kind of has a realm, something similar to that, that idea. And to clarify, you're non-union. Non-union. Yeah. yeah. Which is an important clarification in Southern California. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It gives you a lot more flexibility there as far as training is concerned. It does. It really, really does. Huh. Hmm. Well, I'm just going to, I mean, we're going to have to replay that whole little segment a hundred times over so people get it in their damn heads because, man, these construction companies don't get that, man. It's it's so simple, yet no yeah. one's doing it. It's crazy. Well, it's, it's scary. I mean, it, it really is. I mean, to, to make a, it, it's a culture shift. It really is. It, it's not just um, persevere for hiring. I mean, you have to, you have to get buy-in from people. And if you have this, this massive company or even a mid-sized company of, of a lot of people, it's very hard to, to, to make a switch to something like that. I mean, we were in a, a very unique spot when we made that change. We had one employee at the time, and it was my dad, my brother, myself, and my mom. I mean, it wasn't that hard uh, to, to make that change. But I mean, if you have hundreds of employees, 
I mean, it, you have to have a lot of buy-in. You have to have a lot of people willing to, to sacrifice what's been in existence for the culture and, and really change to adapt to this long-term vision. So I, I think a lot of companies are, are, are probably uh, at a losing advantage when it comes to something like that thought process. You have to really be relatively new or relatively smaller and looking to grow. Because I, I don't think it's for everybody, to be honest. And I'm not just worth doing it. Um, it's just, I don't think the switch is capable for, for some companies to be able to kind of flip that switch and do it. It's, it's a lot of people just are unwilling to take a step back to go two steps forward. And it's so sad to see people live their whole lives just grasping to where they've gotten to because they're, even though it's not in their best interest anymore, it doesn't serve them anymore. They could be so much further, but they just don't want to take that step back and they let it get in their way their whole life. And then they end up in a bad spot as a result. It's just a bummer to see. Absolutely. Mm. It's tough. I mean, a company standpoint, I mean, it's going to cost you money to go a little bit slower and step back like that. And yeah, it's stressful. I mean, you're not going to get stuff done. I mean, so it's, it's tough. It really, really is, but there has to be a long-term goal to it, a long-term vision and, like kind of striving for that why, I guess you can say, like, why are we doing this in the first place? Because if you're just doing it just to do it, I mean, it's going to be hard to be successful through it because it's, it's draining. It's tough. You lose, there's a lot of weeks we lost money because we took the extra time to, to train somebody on a machine or paid eight hours overtime throughout a week just to teach them how to load and unload or flip them in the machine multiple times because they weren't comfortable with it, whatever it was. I mean, it's just, you got to be willing to step back and, and take a look and, really why are we doing it why why are we progressing at this way to learn how to do it properly it's just it's so funny because this industry is so willing to invest in stuff like bulldozers and plant equipment everything like that when it comes to investing in people everyone's allergic to it exactly Uh, it's so tough man it's so frustrating too because it's a lot of people have asked us like how we've grown from basically one employee to, to 15 people outside of our like our family as employees like, and they keep telling us it has nothing to do with you. They always ask, what equipment? Like, what kind of job? How did you price stuff? I'm like, it has nothing to do with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing. It's mm-hmm. all the people and, and their willingness to, to buy into the, to our vision and, and what we were hoping to do. But it's people people don't want that answer because that's the hard answer. Yeah. And that's hard to do. Yeah. They just want the easy fix. Well, how do I bid better? No, 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 yeah. no. That's not it. Or what kind of equipment do I need to use? No, 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 no. no. That's not it. People want the easy answer, and it's not the easy answer. It's the hard answer, yeah. and the the time that's gotten you there. But people just don't want. But that's good for you and good for me yeah. because people are unwilling to do what what we're doing, and and so exactly. that puts us to where we are today and where we'll be tomorrow. And the yeah. more that we're doing that, other people are unwilling to do, the better off we'll be. It, it's frustrating too. And I'm on. A, I'm on kind of going a rampant here, just because it's something that. Please. Like, I'm, I love I, I'm, I'm a <laughs> There we go. Perfect. I'm a millennial, so I, I, as a business owner at, at 27 in the construction industry, people look at me and, and laugh. It's it, 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 especially from a family business. It's a top process of oh, daddy must have put you in that position. It's like, well, no, you have no idea. Yeah. Like, you have no idea what we go through on a daily <laughs> process. And it's the same thing. It's like when you look at. Uh, the, the longevity of a lot of companies right now, if they don't start hiring and training younger and really going with that mentality, like they're, they're going to, they're going to be done in, in 10 years from now. I and mean, they're going to be non-existent. And it's frustrating because there's a lot of 
millennials out there who would be fantastic for the construction industry. Construction, demolition, landscape, residential, commercial, whatever it is, they'd be fantastic and they have the skill sets and the intentionality to really be here, but they don't have the people who are willing and able to invest in them. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the frustrating thing about it because uh, there's, there's so many people that are willing to do it. They just need somebody to give them the shot, to be able to hop in the machine, to jump on the jumping jack, to whatever, load a truck. And then from there, they're going to build not only this great career for themselves, but they're going to make that company that much more profitable because they're there for the long haul. It's the culture. They want to be in a place that's going to invest in them internally. And if, they, if a company does that, I mean, they're going to find an employee for a very long time. And it's going to save and make them a lot of money. But therein lies the opportunity. And that's what I tell people. Yeah. I've, I've been asked yeah. a lot, you know, because I travel all over and they keep asking, you know, if you were to start a construction company, what would you do? What's what's the opportunity? And my response has been the opportunities in people. Start a company wherever, yeah. doing whatever kind of construction you want, because it's just absolutely yeah. gangbusters right now. But figure out the yeah. people, the, the people. If you can figure out the people... You're going to be able to gobble up market share so aggressively as these old school businesses, regardless of how successful they've been, do not figure out the people thing and eventually just slowly die. It's that's the opportunity, the opportunities in people. And it sounds like a bullshit answer, but that's it. That's it. Well, you're right. Wholeheartedly right. I couldn't agree more. And and we've we've really nosedived whole all our eggs in that basket because we're, we're firm believers in it. And a lot of companies before us have done stuff like that on a much greater scale. And I mean, they're, they're blown up right now. They've seen nothing but success from that ideology because people, it's people over profit. Profit will follow if you focus on your people. hundred percent. So yeah. you're, you're preaching the choir here. I, I, I mean, I'm getting fired up. Rushing, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I'm about to climb on my soapbox and start preaching here, man. Cause this is, <laughs> I, I totally believe it, but there's just some yeah. people out there they don't want to believe it, and I've been I've just gotten tired of trying to preach it. And all right, if you don't yeah. want to listen, it's great. I, I I'm not going to try to convince you of something you don't want to believe in anymore. I'm just going to go run. Yeah. And if you want to follow, great. If not, we'll we'll compare notes in ten years, twenty years, because I guarantee you this is the way to go. Absolutely, absolutely. It's working for working for you. Yeah, working for a lot of people, man, and it. It sucks because, like you said, 10 years from now, we'll compare those notes or see what they're doing. I mean, they might be non-existent. Yeah, it's but... It's unfortunate, but it's part of business. You're, you're 27. I'm going on 26. What the hell do we know? Yeah, exactly. We're just a bunch of millennials. Yeah, we're just punk-ass kids. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, uh, this is uh, this has been a real treat. I've enjoyed this conversation. Absolute pleasure, man. Seriously. Um, we've referenced a lot of neat videos of baby skid steers driving through houses and doing crazy shit. Where do people yeah. follow or follow you find those videos and pictures? Um, Instagram, Instagram and TikTok. Yes, we do have a TikTok. Uh, Frish at Frish and Sons, F R I S T H A N D S O N S. Check out some stuff. And I would, and I say this very genuinely, one of my favorite follows on the internet because I love skid steers and I love seeing what you guys do with them because it is so funny and crazy. <laughs> I appreciate it, Aaron. I really do. Yeah. I, it's, it just, it cracks me up. I never get tired of it. I, I, I do have a question on, on TikTok. Yeah. yeah. I, it, which do you like better? TikTok, Instagram? What are your thoughts there? I like Instagram better. I think we have a, there's a better community 
and business wise, Instagram, I think TikTok is just a bunch of kids and it's just more, more fun, but we did land a project on TikTok. Uh, we, we have had a couple pretty viral videos on TikTok, but I just, I, I don't know what I think yet. I'm still kind of testing that out and see what, how that plays. So I would say Instagram, Instagram's more community based and we've got to meet a lot of great people, other companies and be part of what they're doing as well. And that is one of the coolest, and I don't really hit on this, is the people I've met through social media in the community there. It is, I like Instagram because everyone's not a total asshole. Like you go to YouTube and you've probably seen this on YouTube. Everyone's an asshole. Like people are not there to be friendly. People are there to just be assholes. And in Instagram, you don't really run into that all that much. No, not at all. And I mean, some of our, some of our closest, like, I call them company friends. I don't know what it's called. I've never met these people, but they're in our, our region. And I've met them through just videos and photos and commenting on each other's stuff. And it's been rad, man. It's super cool to see other people's work. And we've learned a ton, ton of stuff about pools that we didn't even know just from experience of, of other people. So it's, it's a rad community. It really, really is. Yeah. Well, next time I'm in Southern California, which hopefully is not anytime soon. It was actually, <laughs> it was actually I was supposed to go last week, but I didn't end up going. Um, next time I'm there, uh, I will give you a shout because I would love to see what you guys do in person. And we'll get you on one of those machines too. Yeah. Yeah. I happily, but not near someone's house. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get you in a nice open field. Nice open field. The, the one, one of a few in California. I bought, uh, and I've talked about this, but I, I bought myself a little cat that'll be here in uh, yeah, yeah. May. So I'm excited to get my hands on that and start brushing up on my skid steer skills. That's awesome, man. Well, we're, anytime you're welcome, man. We, we'd love to host. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for so much of your time today. Absolutely. I appreciate it, Aaron. Seriously, man. It's been an absolute pleasure. Cool. And that was uh, Mr. Bobby Frisch with Frisch and Sons in L.A. area. Is it area, L.A. area? Like, where are you guys at? Orange, Orange County. Orange yeah, County. I mean, yeah, Orange County. Same thing. It's close enough. So if you need hardscape pool removal, give Frisch and Sons a call. And should they just... I mean, on social media, they can probably just DM you. Hey, I need my pool removed. But do you guys have like a formal, can they Google you? Yeah, they can Google us. They'll find us. Just freshandsons.com or just put in pool demolition Orange County. They're usually the first ones to pop up. And no one no one listens to this. But uh, if you do, in theory, get a pool demo from this, I will yeah. expect a beer in return. That's my, uh, that's my commission. I'll send, you, I'll send you more than that. I'll send you a nice little bottle of whiskey or something like that. I... I would not be opposed. I would not be opposed. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Bobby. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks so much. Nah, absolutely, man. Anytime. Okay, everybody. And with that, that's another episode of Dirt Talk. Thank you so much for listening. I'm really happy to have all you guys here. Please keep sharing the podcast. Please keep growing the podcast. You guys are the reason why we are still here doing what we're doing. So if you love the Dirt Talk Continue to share it with your friends, family, your mom, whoever. Force your girlfriend or wife to listen to it in the car. Whatever you have to do to get other people uh, exposed to the podcast, I would be appreciative of. And uh, we will see you on the next episode of Dirt Talk next week. Hey.